Story number one. A tip written by some guy named Ted. Come on, try it, it's great! The human hollered others across the table, their legs like jelly as they stood up and staggered their way around the ambassador's opposite, and then he leaned over, placing both elbows squarely on the table, inches away from the ambassador's plate. Please do not shout, the veal's ambassador replied. You are attracting the attention of the others. It was true. Several of the others eating had turned their heads of their species equivalent, though some, upon realizing just who had shouted, sighed and turned back to their meals, content in the knowledge that it was simply a human having a little too much fun. Ah, Ricky, don't be like that. Just once, please, for me. The human made a face that was probably supposed to look cute, but to Ricky looked more as if they sat on something squishy. Alex, Ricky replied, I would, to put it in a way that you humans do, rather die, than try your poison. I will continue with my meal now. He made a show of stabbing a vegetable on the plate with his fork and resting it in his mouth, ignoring Alex's protest to grab his attention. Eventually, Alex gave up huffing as he wobbled back to his chair and sat down. As he did, Ricky could hear him muttering something about being a spoilsport, and another about alcohol only being a poison if he drank a vat of it. Humans are strange, Ricky thought, as he chewed the next bite of it. Ricky had been tolerating Alex's behavior in this vein for several days now. He would have put a stop to it some time ago, if it were not for the fact that Alex was excellent at his job, and what seemed as the sixth sense for danger. He drank to excess only when he was certain the area was secure. Ricky was also, though he was loath to admit it, amused by how casual Alex was around him. It served as a form of perverse entertainment during the days which dragged on for too long. The meal continued and finished without incident. Ricky and now a very drunk Alex made their way back to the accommodations for the evening. It was dark, the mandated blackout left the streets empty, but Ricky carried a lantern dimmed to almost nothing to find their way. For once, the ash clouds from the firebombings did not obscure the sky. Ricky had taken a few steps before he realized that he was by himself. He looked back and he saw Alex frozen, face looking up to the sky. Mouth open, a hand raised as if to caress the pinpricks of light above, the pale glow of his lantern illuminating his face. He was enraptured by the stars, and a look of peace and contentment in his eyes was a surprise to Ricky, to the point where he did not interrupt, instead letting Alex stand for several seconds before he came back to his senses and stumbled over to where he could see the second lantern waiting. Ricky did not bring up the episode until a few days later in the next town over, another event when Vale's ambassador and their guide were required. This time the two ate bread with their accommodation. They had brought this from the merchant in between towns, knowing that the local eateries would be closed. Food rationing had hit the business hard. Ricky swallowed a piece of dry loaf. Alex, he said. Meow. Alex was not facing him. The two were sitting on their beds, Alex keeping an eye on the window, Ricky staring out the wall at the opposite side. Three nights ago, when you were drunk again, you stopped to look up the stars. Why? I don't know, came the reply. I don't remember well. I guess they look pretty. Ricky pressed him further. I've never seen you so calm. Was it anything in particular? Dude, stop. I'm not in the mood for questions. Alex sighed and spared a glance at the flask sitting on the table. 
but his eyes flicked back to the window a second later, and he continued to study the darkness outside. Ricky chose to say nothing after the silence lasting a few minutes. Alex relaxed. They remind me of home, he spoke more softly this time. Do you ever look up at the stars as a kid? Not really, Ricky replied. On my home world, they weren't not visible most days. I tend to forget that they exist. That's a shame. Alex reached for his flask, flicking the cap and taking a sip, eyes not leaving the window as he did it. You know, I thought you veils were all annoying and diplomatic, but you're all right. You don't annoy me. I will take that as a compliment. Alex blew air from his nose in amusement at the response, and after a pause, he spoke again. Tell you what, once we're done with this mission, I'll show you a place that I know of on this world by the sea. He took a large gulf from the flask. The stars shine even brighter there. I would like that. Ricky turned to look at Alex. He saw the flask in one hand and sighed to himself, but said nothing. The third town they visited six days later was half destroyed by artillery. There was a ceasefire in place, though it was as fragile as paper. The two opted to sleep out of town after the events of the day, and they camped in a nearby forest, where the trees had trunks to the sky and leaves to the ground. Alex had found a tree with its inside hollow out, and it was large enough to fit two people. They ate their rations in silence, their lanterns dimmed as much as possible. Alex stood as he ate, a rifle within his arm's reach, for now his flask remained full. Alex was the first to speak after the meal. He whispered, his voice going from no further than the leaves outside. Aren't you scared, Ricky, doing all of this, hiding from armies and assassins who don't want peace? Your mission is usually less, well, dangerous, right? A short silence and then Ricky replied, his voice quieter than Alex. I'm scared, yes, but the fear is nothing, not compared to those suffering because of this war. They need me out here. And I need you out here, too. Wish they'd sent a droid. You know that the region of the four towns does not deal with such technology. It isn't a person, or not at all. Alex opened his mouth to whisper a reply, but the sound of footsteps and small branches breaking and rustling of leaves came first. Ricky froze, white-eyed in horror, hardly daring to breathe in case it was too loud. In a blink, the rifle was in Alex's hands, and he pointed it at the end of the barrel towards the entrance, finger pressing onto the side of the trigger guard, a bullet ready chambered and ready to fire. Ricky reached for the lanterns to switch them off. The footsteps passed by the tree, pausing for a moment that stretched into eternity, and then continued, fading into the distance. The two waited around twenty minutes before moving or speaking again. Alex, Ricky's whisper, could barely be heard over the rustling of the leaves. Hmm? Alex turned his head a little to listen, though the majority of his attention was still on the outside, listening for more footsteps. Does the drinking help you relax? Mm-hmm. Can I try some? Surprised, Alex glanced over, though he could not see Ricky in the oppressive gloom. Uh, sure. Setting down the rifle for a moment, he pulled out a flask from his back pocket. Taking a swig, he then stretched out his arm in the direction of Ricky, flask in hand. It's in my hand if you reach out. Don't damn well drop it if you're not going to take any more. He felt the flask plucked from his grasp, followed by a glug, a quiet gasp, and then a silence for several minutes. Then a small voice. This poison tastes terrible, but I do feel more relaxed now. 
The fourth and the last town on the other side of the forest was gone, raised to the ground, and a sea of tents greeted Alex and Ricky as they walked into the dusty streets. The citizens and refugees of all the species peered up from the tents, watching them. They seemed more curious than anything else. In the evening, the banquet was held with the largest tent, held to celebrate the completed and signed treaty of the four towns. The food was not of high quality, it had been prepared with love, however, and Alex and Ricky sat on the ground together, enjoying the meal and, for the first time in weeks, feeling the safety. Ricky had decided to try a glass of homebrew wine. He was doing his best to remain composed. He couldn't help but giggle, however, at something said by the town's leader, and Alex had to move the glass out of arm's reach and then elbow Ricky to get him to quiet down. Alex himself drank from his flask, as always. Luckily, the tent was loud and the leader did not notice the giggle. Hey, Alex, Ricky was, for once, Alex noted, a little less uptight. Yeah. What's in that stuff you drink? It's strong. Hmm, it's rum. A rare smile came across Alex's face, mixed with a few different kinds of drinks together. I call it 80 proof. What does that mean? Ricky was a little flashed, as her speaking was less than a care than usual. Don't know, some really old human phrase I saw in a book once. Think it was used to measure how strong it is. Alex took a bite of food and chewed. Another question, I mean, uh, I have another question. Mm-hmm. The place you mentioned is nearby, right? Can we go see it? The stars. Alex swallowed a bite of food. Sure. Tomorrow. Ricky grinned. Later, under the light of the stars and dozens of lanterns, they all danced. The music was raucous, and the beating of the drums shook the bones of all nearby. Ricky, floating around in a haze of alcohol, moved from one place to another without thought. Felt as if reality finally made sense in the strange days. A unifying theory of everything fueled by wine that he'd once thought poison. Alex, laughing as if he would never stop, spun Ricky around and around until they both fell over. Where their hands touched each other, it felt like fire. It felt like fire, then a haze was like lava, and all Ricky's reservations melted and combined wake. And then the two began to talk. Some of it nonsense, but some of it profound. As they drank some more, Ricky reached for his hand again, and for another dose of that fire. But this time, it didn't stop when Alex let go and stumbled over to the tent pole from almost over. So this is why humans drink alcohol, Ricky thought. His memories transformed from movies to slideshows of photos, and Alex's laughter rang in his ears until he could hear nothing else. It was long past bedtime and everyone was asleep. The serenity of the night was shattered by the gunfire. Shouting and screams followed. Alex started awake, removing one arm that had draped around his sleeping form of Ricky, and then he jumped to his feet. Ricky, up now! Ricky kicked the leg of a good measure just to make sure that, and grabbed his rifle. Ricky went from a deep sleep to his feet in seconds. Who? What? Where? His head hurt a little. His reaction time was slowed. Evacuation protocol. The code word sent Ricky into a flurry, grabbing a backpack. And with his precious cargo inside, Alex stepped towards the entrance, closed his eyes, and concentrated. Within a few seconds, he was able to tell roughly the number of attackers and the direction from which they had entered the town. He opened his eyes again. This way, he whispered to Ricky, who could just about see where he was pointing. I reckon around twenty of them, 
All of me, do not say anything unless it's life-threatening to not to. And keep that damn treaty safe. Whoever is attacking you probably wants to destroy it. The two crept out of the tent, lanterns in the hand but switched off. Luckily, their eyes had adjusted to the dark, and Alex had already memorized the evacuation route. They were well hidden from their pursuers. However, as they crept across the tent city, they had to stop in places to stay hidden from the flashes of light made by lanterns being switched to full. Alex grabbed Ricky's hand as they moved, and to make sure that he doesn't fall behind, he thought. Although the fizz he fell from the human and the veil's fingers interlocking indicated that this was not the only reason. The sporadic gunfire and more screams echoed from the distance. They started to hear footsteps, painted first, louder and louder, coming from all directions, and then the occasional thump of a body hitting the ground amongst the intensifying gunfire. At last the tents began to thin, and the shadowed giants of the trees loomed out of the darkness. Alex squeezed Ricky's hand twice as a signal to stop, and then looked back. He could see a little, but he could smell smoke, and he still hear the distant footsteps and gunfire. Looking forward again, there was a clearing, and he guessed it was around a hundred meters to the tree line. Then the footsteps from behind suddenly grew louder, and above it all, someone began to shout, This way! The yell soared over the sounds of fighting. They weren't in the tent. They'll try to get to the forest. Shoot them! Ricky, run! Alex spared a glance to where Ricky was standing as he spoke. Ricky was frozen in place, terrified. Move! The treaty go! Alex began to run pulling on the hand until Ricky defrosted a little and started to run also, and the hands separated as if they sprinted across the clearing together. Bullets zinged by them, several figures had reached the edge of the ten city and were firing upon the two with rifles, although they were struggling to hit the two fast-moving figures in the dark. One of the pursuers started forward as if to give chase, but another grabbed their shoulder and yanked them back. As they knew, at night they were as likely to be shot as those they were chasing. Throughout, the echoing screams from before continued unabated. Alex slowed a little, and he allowed Ricky to run ahead of him, ensuring that his body shielded Ricky's from the hail of fire. By the tents, the group's leader kneeled, then took aim with a hunting rifle. This one, unlike the others, had a night vision scope attached. Such an item was illegal here, punishable by death. The leader steadied his breath, breathed in, breathed out slowly, letting the crosshair settle on his target. He fired. The bullet grazed Alex's shoulder and he grunted in pain but kept running. Ricky reached the trees first and dove behind a particularly large tree, hitting the ground and staying prone. Alex followed suit, though instead of lying prone also, he dropped to a kneeling position hoisting his rifle into his shoulder and adjusting the sights for the distance. He leaned on the left a little, checked with his ears that nobody would try to cross the clearing, and he aimed at one of the pursuers, who were illuminated by their lanterns. He took two large breaths to steady himself, and then he fired. His shoulder yelped from the movement and the recoil. In the distance, a figure fell. He reloaded, took aim once more, and fired. The shot seemed to hit the next figure although this time they did not fall. The pursuers' lanterns started to blink out as they realized that they had made themselves obvious targets. The leader of the pursuers, having reloaded his hunting rifle and found the source of Alex's bullets, took aim once more. 
In the background, those who lived in the tent city, armed with their own rifles, had now engaged his group, and he could hear the last of them shouting to reach the others, to crack of bullets and the thump of bodies. He had one chance left to destroy all the treaties stood for before the city killed him too. He took one last breath and then fired. Seconds later, he was spelled by a hail of bullets. The shouts of triumph from the tent city defenders echoed in this forest. Ricky got to his feet and leaned against the tree, panting, still trying to catch his breath. Alex was holding her hand in his chest and he removed his hand and he came back red. Ricky switched on the lantern and gasped. Alex, your chest, are you hurt? Uh, yeah, I think one of the bullets grazed my side. Hang on, I'll patch it up. But he lifted up his shirt and it was clear it was not a graze. A dark liquid spilled at a terrifying rate from where the bullet had pierced him. His burst of adrenaline began to fade and he began to tilt once more. Ricky ran forward and grabbed his shoulder to steady him, then pushed him down as his shoulders, forcing him to sit. Alex, Alex, Alex! Ricky's voice became more panicked with every word. Alex tried to respond, but Ricky cut him off. No, no, this wasn't supposed to happen. Oh God, oh hell, I can't fix this. I don't have the training. I need to stop the blood somehow. He continued to babble as he tore at length fabric from his shirt and then pressed it into the wound. Ricky, Alex wheezed as he spoke. Shh, it's fine. He placed a hand over Ricky's and gently lifted it away from his chest. The fabric was already sodden with red. The bullet had torn through the artery. Like hell it is, Alex. You're bleeding out. Your hand is cold. Oh, gods, what do I do? Do I run back to get help? Do I stay? I don't know what... As Ricky's words trailed off into an incoherent, Alex reached into his back pocket and with the other hand, he pulled out a flask. He felt sluggish and cold, but he was able to pop the cap and take a sip before offering it to Ricky. Here, take it, he wheezed. Keep it. The words took more effort to say than before. What? Ricky felt tears warm in his eyes and he could see Alex was fighting unconsciousness. Keep it. I'm not making it out of here. Ricky's tears flowed freely now. No, please don't say that. Don't go. Don't go. He squeezed Alex's hand far too tightly, but he didn't care. All he cared about at this moment was holding on to Alex's hand. Alex weakly squeezed it in return and then spoke again. The word fainted this time. Drink it when you're sad or happy. I don't know. Humans drink for all sorts of reasons. He coughed and his lips became stained with blood. Eighty proof, yeah? A smile on his eyes sparkled as they met Ricky's. Remember, it's probably important or something. And then he let out a last breath and collapsed to the dirt, and Ricky screamed in anguish as he tried and failed to revive the fallen human. Two months later, the stars were brighter, brighter than anywhere else Ricky had seen. He walked along the beach, feet sticking into little into the sand, with a gentle swish of the sea accompanying him as he walked. In one hand he held a lantern, in the other he held Alex's flask, he turned it over in his hand, noticing how Alex's bloody fingerprints still remained. He could even see the scratches and dents from where it had been dropped. How was it supposed to be possible for one person to leave such an impression after they were gone? It was as if everything Alex had done and said revolved around this one tiny items. 
Humans are really so strange, she thought. They were rude, they were brash at times, and they sometimes did and said things without regard for others. But they were also tender and cared for those around them. And Annex, on his final day, had shown that second side of himself to Ricky. Ricky raised the flask to his lips and took a sip. Certainly not the first of the night, letting the buzz of the alcohol permeate his mind and body. He felt as if he was not quite in his own body as he walked, one step after another, across the place in which Alex should have been a step with him. If he had been here, he would have been laughing and smiling as he drank from his flask. Maybe he would have been looking at Ricky with a sparkle in his eyes. Then Ricky stopped and looked up, and for the first time he truly saw the stars. They were endless and twinkling, unobscured by ash. There would be no artifacts of war to disturb the sky. Not anymore. Mission was complete. But Ricky wished that he could reverse time to the day of the signing of the treaty. Just for one last day with Alex. One last drink. One last dance. Ricky dropped the lantern and raised an arm to the sky, caressing the stars. He felt a longing, small at first, and intensifying until it felt like it could choke him. For a home that he could not see from here, and for someone he had grown to love that he could not speak to. He stood for what seemed like forever, frozen and trapped by the vista of twinkling light above. He whispered to them, Alex, wherever you are, I hope to see you again someday. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to understand you better. Thank you for telling me about this place. The flask fell from his fingers, landing in the sand next to the lantern as Ricky continued to gaze upwards. On one side, Ricky had carved two words into the metal. They shone from the light of the lantern. 80 proof. End of story.